Hello, Spooky fam. I would like to start today's episode by thanking everyone who has joined the Facebook group, Paranormal Stories and Spooky Shits. Um, we are over 100 people on the Facebook group, so thank you very much. Um, I try to keep good content on there and funny memes, funny spooky memes. <laughs> but feel free to post on there, ask questions, or start a dialogue. Feel free to use that space. All right, I am Chappie, your host, and let's get started with today's episode of Paranormal Stories and Spooky Shiz. All right, today, of course, I have some Shadow People stories for you. Why not? <laughs> we have a ton of those. And then I also wanted to talk about generational curses and psychic abilities, um, being passed down family lines and stuff like that. Um, in doing my research on this, it's not clearly defined. Um, you just have people here and there that even mention it. Um, but without further ado, we'll take a short little break and then we will get right into what I found. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. As I've already mentioned in some of my previous episodes... Um, we believe that our gifts in my family were passed down, um, from my family on my mom's side, um, as our great grandmother, um, you know, she was not quite a white witch, but you know, that granny magic using the Bible as, um, a conduit a lot of times and, you know, she dabbled in it. Um, and so did her predecessors. And so, you know, my grandma was intuitive. My mom was able to see things, know things, had very strong intuition. Um, my older sister, she got some of the intuition and the sight. And I got a big old helping of it, you know, so much so that I was a little scaredy cat whenever I was growing up at the things I would see and hear. Um, just crazy stuff, you know, shadow people and real people and just knowing things and saying things I couldn't possibly have known, stuff like that. So I did some research on if there's such a thing as a hereditary witch or a hereditary psychic. Um, I know there's a lot of people out there that are uncomfortable with the term witch, um, as it has to do you know, there's a lot of people that associate that with Satan worship and stuff like that. Um, that's not what I'm talking about. Um, someone that's tapped into, you know, their own uh, abilities to know, to see, to hear, stuff like that. Um, yeah, so let's just get started with some of the research. So I'll start with what I've been told. So I was always told by my family, and by my mom in particular, um, about the Bible version 
of why it follows families. And that's because it's something that we weren't supposed to mess with. <laughs> this is her Christian interpretation. This is not my belief. <laughs> um, but it says in Numbers, in the Bible, in Numbers fourteen eighteen of the King James Version, the Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. So a lot of Christians use this, including my parents, um, to kind of explain why our family can see uh, shadow people and we know stuff and they don't see it as something that you should play with or like a, a gift. <laughs> um, there are certain instances whenever I don't see it as a gift either. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is a curse. Um, just because it scares the bejesus out of me <laughs> sometimes. Um, but that's kind of where that the Christian perspective is. Um, let's see. To do some more Christian perspectives are like the curses and bondages reach further back than the third and fourth generation. Do, do, do. Yeah, it's all about like bloodlines and stuff like that. All right, let's get into some of the some of the research. All right, first let's define what a psychic gift is. Um, I kind of want to set that baseline for you guys to know what I'm talking about. Um, especially if you're listening to this and you're like, uh, I cannot relate. <laughs> what are you talking about? Can you cast a magic spell? No, that is not what I'm talking about. Um, different kinds of psychic gifts. All right. This is coming from ihavethepsychic.com. It says, the psychic gift is one of the most amazing talents one can have. It is the ability to see, hear, know, understand, and perceive what will be, what was once, and what is transpiring in this realm and beyond. Psychics have been around for centuries. Many psychics are born with this talent, yet some come to know it later in life. Being a psychic can either be a blessing or a curse for some. Learning about things and being ultra sensitive can allow a psychic to help others and himself attain a full life. However, having visions and hearing things when it's not understood can be seen as a psychological ailment. Acknowledging the psychic gift is a process that psychics have to undergo. There are many kinds of psychic gifts one may possess. One or more of these gifts like many other talents that humans have, a psychic must sharpen these talents in order to use them well. These special talents use sensitivity, empathy, and an open mind. Many people are born with these gifts, but fail to know or understand what they have. So right there, it's talking about sensitivity, empathy, and an open mind. Um, ever since I was a child and could see these things that nobody else could see, and I was freaking out my mom and dad by telling them <laughs> what I could see that they couldn't or the people in our house that they couldn't see. Um, the people that would visit at night, the people in my dreams, all that kind of stuff. 
Um, for instance, my sister, my oldest sister that has some of the gifts as well, she would dream about specific looking people in our house, in our trailer. And then when I got up the next day, I would actually see those people walking just like what happened in her dream. And I would tell her, I would be like, those people just walked across the room and went through that wall. What was that? And I would describe it to a T of what she dreamed the night before. Just weird stuff like that. <laughs> um, I've always been sensitive to that stuff. Um, we have gone through some trauma. Um, and that explains some people that have gone through trauma do ha tend to be more psychic um, and develop these things, especially the sense of like, um, oh, what's it called? Let's see. Do, do, do. Disassociate. <laughs> uh, sometimes during trauma, uh, kids and adults even learn to disassociate. Um, which kind of means psychically or like in your mind, you're exiting what's happening um, to your body um, or what you're hearing or just whatever trauma is happening to you. Um, you're exiting being an active role in that time frame. Um, and kids that undergo trauma at such a young age, they learn to do this. And that makes them very sensitive to like the other realms, like where they went when they disassociated or being sensitive to the spiritual realms if you were if i haven't lost you <laughs> um and even if i have i'm gonna keep going <laughs> all right there are many different types of physical gifts um each psychic or person can have more than one can have one or more gifts the more sensitive a psychic is, the more likely he or she will develop and open up other gifts as well. People are normally given more sensitivity than others uh, when discovering psychic abilities. They can look into the physical and medical physical states of reality. Some of them can even travel through space and time using techniques such as astral projection or channeling their mind's eye into a different realm. All right, I know that sounded out there, <laughs> but stay with me because some of this, you know, I've experienced myself um, without being weird or like being like, I traveled to the future. <laughs> Nothing like that. Nothing so bold. Um, actually, some of these come into being some of these gifts and it feels just very ordinary and very natural. It's nothing super dramatic about it at all um it's whenever the fear comes in about it that's whenever you know <laughs> the person seeing it or hearing it or whatever it gets a little freaked out <laughs> all right there are three main types of physical gifts these gifts can help psychics do an intuitive reading and channel into learning about things sometimes they can combine the said gifts with tools to create a deeper psychic reading, such as people that use, you know, cards or runes and stuff like that. Um, the three main types, there's clairvoyance. Clairvoyance is the ability to having a second sight. It allows one to see things that are to come or have already happened. 
people who have this gift can see can clearly see things that the future holds whether they're able to interpret this at the time or have developed the skill to a certain point of like actually seeing things or seeing things in their mind that will pop in there um, is up to how much that they practice or are comfortable with their gift. Clear audience um, is being able to hear into the past and future. They're able to hear conversations of people that is to come and they listen to spirit guides telling them what is to transpire. Now, I know everybody um, that I know that's of the Christian persuasion is going to call foul on that one. Um, as King Saul went and, uh, you know, in the Old Testament, went and saw one of these seers, one of these people that had a spiritual familiar um, because he wanted to ask Samuel something, like if they were going to win or not. Um, and basically, Samuel himself came and scared the poor psychic, you know. It's like, my normal spirit guides are not the one that's coming. And it was actually Samuel coming back. And they were told that, like, this was a bad practice. And, you know, Saul was punished and his son died because of it and, like, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, there's all that stuff in the Bible warning people, um about some of these practices, but it just comes down to like what you believe. I know that sounds <laughs> kind of harsh because I, I like to follow, you know, the moral code of the Bible as much as possible. Um, but this might be an area where we differ a little. Um, <laughs> and then the next section is clairsentience, a person who is able to know things that are to come. Clairsentience can be combined with clairvoyance or clairaudience. They can use their mind to sense and zone in on things. And my mom, her biggest um, gift out of those three is definitely clairsentience. Um, she has the ability to just know things, know things that are coming, know things about people. Um, and she's able to see things. So she has a little bit of the clairvoyance as well me the lucky person that I am and I say lucky very sarcastically because <laughs> it's kind of terrorized me through my childhood but I got clairvoyance seeing the shadow people seeing people just appear and then disappear having conversations with people that turn out not to be there clairaudient where I call it my radio now but it you kind of like it's like tuning into a radio station and somebody's already talking and they're like halfway through a story and you're like what are they talking about you know it'd be like i was 15 when i pushed him off the dock and you're like what <laughs> excuse me <laughs> you did what <laughs> you know um so that's always been a thing that i've talked to my family about um i just call it my radio you know oh i was hearing my radio again uh, sometimes it would be names, and I would Google that name, and it was like nothing spectacular with that name, but I kept hearing that name, so, like, I've got, like, I don't know, I've got a mixture of beliefs, so I would just kind of, like, say a little prayer for that name, and be like, I don't know what they need, but <laughs> I clearly heard their name spoken, so give them whatever they need, I guess, <laughs> sending good vibes their way, <laughs> 
Um, so that's kind of my clear audience. And then clairsentience, my intuition um, is definitely rivaling my mom's at this point. Um, there are times when I just know things and people think I'm lying whenever they're like, how did you know that? And I'm like, it just popped in my head. And they're like, you're lying. And I'm like, no, really, it just popped in my head. Like, I don't know if somebody's good, somebody's bad. Um, and I kind of trust my intuition. If I don't get a reading off of a person the first time I meet them, which most of the time I do, um, like, it'll be like a physical knowing. Like, I I know what that person's intentions are, whether good or bad. Um, some people like to hide their true face. Um, and so it might take two or three times before I really know. Um, but trust me, eventually your true face will show. Um, I know I've, you know, been around a person and I'm like, man, they're so cool. And I got around them again and I was like, hmm, okay, okay, they're still cool. They're still cool. And then that third time, you know, just being around them, they would have been as nice as all get out to me. And I just have this bad feeling in my gut, in the pit of my stomach. And I'm like, oh, man, I liked them. <laughs> but I got that intuition about them. And I was like, I need to separate myself from being around them. And sure enough, stuff will happen. Stuff will happen with that person. Uh, case in point, I know my mom told my dad one time, he was taking us over to one of our neighbor's houses um, because they had kids around our age. And, you know, we, we thought they were so cool because, you know, they had a cool um, house and they had really cool toys and stuff like that. And they lived near us. So it was really cool. And my dad was taking us walking to go to their house. And my mom told my dad, like, hey, I don't have a good feeling about this guy. Y'all don't need to go over there. So long story short, <laughs> that guy ended up murdering somebody. <laughs> and my mom was just going off of a, like a feeling that she had. She had no real anything to back it up except her gut, which is usually always right, was telling her, you know, like something is up. You need to steer clear. And it's a good thing we did because, <laughs> you know, there was uh, there was actually something wrong with him. <laughs> um, those are kind of the three that um, I want to, like, go through. There's still, you know, different, um, some more gifts, you know, that people can tap into. Um, and we'll kind of get into those a little bit later, um, probably before we end tonight. Uh, depending on how much time we have. Um, but I want to get into some more research that we found um, of just like, you know, is it inherited? All right. So this one is from AnnaSays.com. Um, it's from a reader of her blog. Um, basically asking a question. Um, it's relevant to our query today. It says, Hi, I've seen people attribute their intuitive capabilities to their gifted great-grandmother, mother, 
but I don't think that this is usually the main reason for the person's gift. All right. The person asking, I was accidentally reading their answer. The question was, often I see the most famous psychics describe themselves as third generation intuitives, so it seems like abilities like these are often inherited. Can those of us who don't have gifts like these in the family still develop psychically? And that's when she's like, hi. I've seen people attribute their intuitive capabilities to their gifted great-grandmother or mother, but I don't think that is usually the main reason for the person's gift. Here are some common reasons a person ends up psychically gifted. One, their life path. Some people carry the archetype that the intuitive within their soul profile. You can find out more about archetypes in a course on Akashic record reading. Um, I don't know what that is. <laughs> but let's keep going. Carrying the archetype of the intuitive means the person's soul has decided that it will come through with a strong connection to the spirit realm. Perhaps this person will use their intuition in the capacity of professional intuitive or coach. These people will certainly have a head start in developing their intuition. Number two, upbringing. I've noticed that the offspring of many well-known intuitives end up going down a similar path. And I believe this is because these children have been raised to connect with their intuitive side. Personally, I was not raised to be intuitive or spiritual. I was raised to love gardens, and I often thought that gardening was in our blood. My grandma ran a garden center, and my grandfather was a prize-winning grower. As a kid, I had my own garden and was taught all the names of the plants. However, I'm not sure that there is a gene for being interested in gardening. Instead, this is something I most probably picked up from my environment as a child. And the same thing for those raised in spiritually open environments. Put a person in a very favorable environment for developing a particular skill, and it often results in, a developing, in developing that skill. There is a darker aspect to upbringing that can contribute to develop of psychic ability in that the children raised in abusive or neglectful environments often end up psychic. This is because the child requires extra parenting and learns to receive it from spiritual sources. The child will also learn to disassociate, exit the body energetically during traumas or abuse and regularly leave one's body in his way over time, will result in developing a sensitivity to the planes that lie beyond the physical. As an aside, this can also result in a problem with grounding. Three is education. On the other hand, you do not have to undergo traumas or be born with a spiritually open family to develop your abilities. They can be awakened with the right training. I've trained plenty of people psychically who do not consider themselves to be intuitive before they started. The reason for this is because we are all born with the potential for a connection with our higher self, spirit guides, and angels. It isn't about genetics. It's about the fact that we are souls and physical bodies, and we will ideally go through life connected to our spirit. Four, genetics. I recently learned about an intriguing concepts, concept of epigenetics, the idea that some genes might be turned on and off by one's environment. 
So if one eats well and exercises, this may alter one's DNA to prevent chronic diseases that the person would otherwise be predisposed towards. Is there a gene for psychic ability? I don't know. But my guess is that if there is, this gene would be subject to influence by one's environment, including one's upbringing, spiritual practices, and training, or lack thereof, in this area. All right. And bouncing off of that idea, um, there is actually a study that is in progress um, on ions.com. It basically says that they're searching right now between people that have proven psychic abilities, you know, like um, predicted things and been able to meet random people and stuff like that and just know things, different stuff like that. They've taken a test group of those people and taken DNA from them. And then a bunch of control, you know, are what you would call the normal people. And they're basically seeing if there's any DNA difference between the two. But that project is still ongoing. So <laughs> maybe our children don't know the answers to that. <laughs> All right. All right. This is a lot, a lot, a lot of reading. But it says, are psychic abilities hereditary? This comes from PsychicElements.com. Do psychic people inherit their abilities from their family line? We hear many people calling themselves third-generation mediums. Does that mean that someone with no psychic parents or grandparents can't be psychic themselves? Do psychic abilities run in families, or are they something that can manifest in anyone? And can a person simply decide to develop their supersensory skills? It's very true that many psychic mediums discover that six sensibilities are prevalent in their families. Often these gifts were hidden because nobody wanted to, no one wanted to talk about it. Some even right, thought, rightly enough, that their abilities might put the whole family in danger, given the once popular view of witchcraft being aligned with devil worship. Thus, children and teens who seemed to be developing psychic abilities were trained to not speak of it and not to reveal their gift to a living soul. <laughs> I know particularly whenever I'd mentioned stuff <laughs> when I was a kid kid, um, my parents would tell me that, you know, it was my imagination and I just kind of accepted that. Um, I mean, it was still weirded me out in the moment when I would see the thing or be experiencing it, it would make me cry, it would, you know, freak me out. But I would just start telling myself, like, it's all in your head. It's it's just your imagination. You have a wild imagination. You have a wild imagination. Stuff like that until I felt better. Um, but whenever they actually told me about, like, our family line and, like, how we all can kind of do this, um, that's whenever they were like, I don't tell anyone. <laughs> And it wasn't like you're going to lose it if you tell people. Because I have heard some family lines that, you know, it ran in their family, but they were supposed to keep it a secret as part of, you know, keeping that ability. Um, and then when it would be passed on to someone, you know, that told somebody else outside of the family, you know, they would lose it. Um, so that that's not one of those families that I'm in. <laughs> 
Um, let's keep going in this this article. Women in particular were always extremely cautious about sharing their abilities. 300 years might seem like a long time ago, but accounts of witch trials still thread through family histories, both in the United States and throughout Europe. Even now, in certain African countries, being accused of witchcraft can result in torture and death, with mothers and grandmothers ripped from their families. No wonder people keep quiet about having supersensory abilities. Once upon a time, such gifted individuals were treasured and revered. Then along came certain religious faiths, which felt that their flocks were threatened by anyone who had a direct line to the spirit. And so psychic communication was thoroughly stamped upon, and people simply stopped talking about it. The Hereditary Psychic Like Eye and hair color, shapes of noses and ears, body type and build, psychic traits are sometimes passed down through families. They might skip a generation here and there, but with any luck, it's possible to learn how gifts thread down through bloodlines. There is some speculation that families with high, high incidence of twin births are more likely to share sixth sense traits. There's no doubt that genetics can play an important part in whether someone has a sixth sense or not. A person who has been brought up in a family where psychic powers are accepted as normal is likely to develop those skills themselves. A study carried out by Sherry Ann Cohn in 1996, Scottish tradition of second sight and other psychic experiences in families, sent out a large-scale survey questionnaire throughout Scotland. In one region, 33% of people reported some degree of second sight. Only when Jake grew up and their father was about to pass away did he discover that his brother had been seeing auras ever since he could remember. Jake is an empath, but had kept his ability from his family in case they thought he was weird and making stuff up. Once he began talking about it to his brother and the rest of his family, did he find out that the psychic, the psychic gifts were common among his forebears. One couple had just found out that they were expecting a baby. They had told no one, not one person. They discovered that a woman's five-year-old niece had been telling everyone who had listened that Auntie Jen was pregnant. Another pregnant woman's mother told her she dreamed that her grandmother had appeared to her and told her the baby would have brown eyes and curly chestnut hair, even though both parents were fair-haired and blue-eyed. When the baby was born, it seemed the mom was mistaken, but surely enough, as the baby was a couple months old, it became obvious. His eyes were turning brown, and his growing mop of hair was curly. What if you haven't inherited any psychic abilities from your family? Can you still be psychic? Some children develop psychic abilities during difficult childhoods. It's as if they are able to move their consciousness to one to another level in order to avoid what is going on in reality, as we've already discussed. Several reports of out-of-body out experiences during times when they suffered hardship or abuse, their pain and trauma caused them to become ultra-sensitive, and this led to experiences of deep empathy and clear cognizance. Shirley grew up in a children's home after she was removed from her alcoholic mother she had no idea whether 
whether she came from a psychic family, but shortly after being transferred to the children's home, she began to dream about other children there. She says she knew which children would be adopted, which ones were going to fall ill. She even dreamed about one boy tripping and breaking his leg. In every case, she was right. She didn't, however, foresee her own adoption at the age of eight. Shirley is now in her 50s and happily clairvoyant. It's true that anyone can develop these psychic abilities. Everyone has the capability of tuning into their intuition or paying attention to their gut feeling. With practice, these hunches will get stronger. The more you listen, the stronger and more frequent they will become. You might be trying to hear voices and messages, but ignoring the fact that you feel strong empathy when someone is in emotional pain. Um, it's just a reminder to, if you are trying to hone your skills, to not overlook um, one skill over another, such as like, you know, trying to hear messages or trying to be a tarot reader, but you're ignoring your dreams that are coming in quite vividly about what you should be doing or delivering messages and stuff like that. Um, the key to developing psychic ability is to be open to all possibilities. The way to do that is through meditation. You may have a sudden revelation of where your psychic abilities lie. After meditation during the day, you might have a vivid dream that shows you that what you might have been missing. Um, when you're with another person and they're talking, just go within for a moment and notice any random thoughts or feelings which arise. Perhaps your subconscious is giving you some information or a message that you should pass on. Um, I mean, I'm ADHD, so while I'm having a conversation, I'm going to zone out at least four or five times. <laughs> so that doesn't necessarily mean I'm tapping into any of that. It could be like, oh my gosh, that person has, you know, gotten up and gotten a spoon five times. Why do they keep messing up their spoon? What is wrong with them? <laughs> you know, just something random. Um, but yeah, I've done this where, you know, you just you just take a little break from the conversation you're having and <laughs> go inside. And what's bad about me is I generally have auto responses and they get me in trouble sometimes. Like they're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, nice, right. Depending on like how their tone is. And so I can be thinking about something completely different and just like daydreaming and still carrying on a conversation. <laughs> but if you do take a break from the conversation that you're having, um, see if you have any thoughts or gut feelings about the person, uh, what they might be going through, their state of mind, stuff like that. Um, that's usually when I'm able to like tap in and like help people with stuff that they're dealing with. Um, it's whenever I kind of like focus all of my energy and all of my intention on, you know, helping them or like seeing how they are. All right, on to another article. This one's from Sentinel and Enterprise.com. Um, basically, they're asking, do you believe mediums are born with their gifts or can they be made? Uh, she says, I cannot speak for everyone, but my gift of mediumship was handed down through the generations on my mother's side of the family. 
when I was just four years old, I remember walking around my family home and seeing and feeling spirits, seeing spirits and animals, just as if I was seeing a living person. I now know this is called objective clairvoyance. Clairvoyance means clear seeing, comes from two French words, clair, meaning clear, and voir, to mean to see. I had vivid memories of going from one room to another and seeing loved ones who had passed, as well as guides and animals. I remember the day I ran off the school bus at age 12 and was stopped in my tracks as I saw a Native American chief sitting on the porch. My mother, seeing what I was seeing, quickly told me, it's okay, he waits for you to get off the bus every day. I still see this guide frequently. One of the most common ways to see the spirit is called subjective clairvoyance, seeing mental images in your mind's eye using the third eye chakra. Clearly, clear seeing can be seeing people, pictures, or even clips like a movie being played before you. That's why you'll sometimes see mediums close their eyes as they try to get a better picture. The greatest gift of having a mom who could see what I was seeing, which is a gift of its own. Imagine being a young child walking around and wondering what or who you're going to see next. I thank God that my mother not only supported me, but also nurtured the gift that had been handed down to me. There was no need to fear about being called out by someone that didn't understand in the family. Growing up and talking about spirits was the normal thing to do. Had my mother not had understanding, my gift could not have been pushed could have been pushed down and suppressed for fear of being ostracized. All right, and that's just one lady's story of how it was passed down. Um, there's another hereditary tradition um, talking about magic and stuff like that, um, where people pass it down. It's not biologically inherited, but it's passed down through the generations. Um, and that doesn't have to do with like the clairs. It's more uh, magic tradition. Um, you know, like for instance, this one family in, App in Appalachia is talking here um, and they were Catholic and they basically still practiced a folk magic tradition. You know, um, they did the same thing that their like mom and grandmother did in Ireland and it was like mixed with following both the Celtic gods and the Catholicism. They found a way to make it work. Um, family practices um, vary from family to family. It's stuff that's passed on as like a religion or a belief and is upheld by that family. And it's not commonly told to outsiders. Um, so that stuff would be more of a tradition kind of thing. All right. Mentioning the generational curses once more. Um, generational curses are essentially curses that after being cast upon one member of the family proceeds to pass down the family line to their children and their children's children. People who suffer from generational curses often know what afflicts them. Um, as in, it was a curse. Some great-grandfather pissed off a fortune teller and she cursed him. Um, and the story is passed down through the generations. Um, they say that the generational curses are so hard to break because they're mythologized in the family. Um, so when the original caster of the spell dies, the majority of power behind that spell also dies. Um, 
but with the people keeping their belief still alive for that curse, um, the belief that they're, you know, everything's going to ruin their finances, their social standing, everything, no matter what generation it is, that's basically fueling the spell at that point is the family's belief. Your belief directs your energy, and if your energy is wrapped around an idea that your life is going to go to hell because of curse, there's nothing you can do about it. That's exactly what's going to happen. There's a lot of... Belief is a powerful force. Anybody who deals with magic knows that. I've mentioned that a couple times in my podcast so far, is belief is a powerful tool. That's just like uh, back in the day, I would ask my mom, hey, uh, there's a couple kids at school talking about, you know, Bloody Mary. Um, is that real? And she said, do you believe it's real? And I said, yeah, kind of. And she's like, well, I don't suggest you go do it. Because if you believe in it, you're basically opening a door um, and daring, the, you know, something to happen. So... <laughs> to this day, I will not play that game. I think it's crazy that people do. But I do believe if I was, you know, you know, I've mentioned this before. I do believe, and it's nothing cocky or anything, but if I was at a Ouija board or at one of those places and people were doing the Bloody Mary thing, I think something would happen. Um, just because I have belief and I have proof as far as what I've seen, to believe a lot of this spiritual stuff. Um, I have a lot of the clairs, that's what they call them, the clairvoyance, clairsentience, clairaudience, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, and it's just like all this different stuff is real. And just because we don't understand it, or some people think it's fake, because they don't believe and they'll never have that stuff happen to them. Um, and that's okay if, if they don't want to believe in that stuff, but it's just like, I believe that me coming in with that faith that something would happen is almost daring the universe to show me something. Um, so yeah, I won't play around with that. <laughs> All right. Let's see. There was, a bunch of uh, psychic gifts that I was reading about. Um, it mentioned one called aportation, and this is um, allows a person to make things teleport or move from one place or plane to another. Um, the only reason I bring that one up because I've never seen this one, so I don't know if this one is real, but it did mention something like this in our Men in Black episode where that agent um, made that coin disappear right in front of that guy, you know, in his open hand, uh, making it go to a different plane and telling him he made it go to a different plane. And that's what would happen to him if he didn't stop his research. So, I mean, there's a name for it. <laughs> um, let's see, aura reading. Sometimes people are able to see the colors and the energy that people have. Um, sometimes heal the aura, automatic writing. I don't like this one because you have to let go of yourself and allow the writing to flow automatically with your angels or spirit guides. 
And growing up Christian, I'm just very wary of anything that makes you give control of yourself away to something else. Um, <laughs> sounds kind of like possession to me, <laughs> but I digress. Um, astral projection, um, state of psychic and mind projection, where the soul leaves the physical body behind, normally through lucid dreaming, and travels to different realms or finds out different realities. If this one is real, and like, there's different things that like help you practice astral projection and stuff like that, and there's certain things that you can do to like disassociate. I know I do those kind of things whenever I'm like getting a tattoo and it hurts. <laughs> you know, I'll just be like, hmm, I'm going to take a little break from being right here right now. <laughs> um, but it's kind of cool. You know, our brains are powerful things, you know, so I believe in a lot of this stuff. But also, even if it is just the brain tricking us, it's still really cool. <laughs> um but yeah i would be worried about like running into something while doing that and not knowing what the rules are um this next one i've seen a lot of people have this one and a lot of people within our family have this one but a death warning a lot of people are given this gift and not even aware of it spirit guides among us normally forewarn us impending dangers that are to come to our loved ones or relatives um, in order to help them avoid these tragedies. A lot of these death warnings may be mistaken as just dreams or nightmares. However, if this gift is developed, one can see with certainty if someone is to pass on. I think that's cool. I've seen that happen. I've had family members have that happen. I've predicted that before as well. Um, but not with any kind of, like, precisity. Like, I can't just, like, be like, hold on, let me find out when you're going to die. It would just be like a random thought about someone dying, you know? And it's not like I get to pick and choose who it would be. But that gift, um, I know is real. Um, let's see. Levitation, something I'm not going to mess with. That's something that the Buddhist monks and yogis um, can allow a person to lift him or herself up because he has freed himself, freed his mind from being bound to the physical realm and thus no longer conform to the rules of this world. I don't know. It sounds kind of sketch, so I'm not going to try that one. Uh, mediumship is very real. Being a medium means that a person can do channeling or connecting to the persons or people who are beyond this realm or have passed on. The deceased can speak to them or through them. They are either held as a capsule of communication, uh, wherein the departed use the bodies briefly to communicate to their loved ones. They can also do mediumship readings wherein a, they speak to the departed and look into the past of the departed. So that one I do believe in. I think I've even been a part of some of that, especially with my story about, you know, like telling this grieving person the exact cute phrase that her daughter used to say. Like, I don't know how that happens, but whether you're a Christian or whether you're, you know, you are a Christian that believes in the Clares or you're, you know, not a Christian, you're a pagan and you believe in the Clares or a witch and believe in the Clares. Like, I don't care what your belief system is. Um, I feel like you would still believe that that came from a spiritual origin, 
you know, something like that happened. Um, let's see. There's a lot of stuff in here. I'm skipping around. Uh, there's py pyrokinesis, which I thought I would mention just because it sounds like firebending. Um, it says the ability to move and manipulate fire, but they still need an actual fire to do it. Kind of cool. Um, telepathy. Ability to communicate with others without using words. Uh, without the issue of space and location. Pretty cool. Telekinesis. Also pretty cool. Kind of sounds like a mutant ability as well. All right. So that's just something I wanted to touch on is the, the generational stuff. Um, and as you can tell, it depends on who you talk to. Uh, whether it's a confirmed yes, it's passed down. Or no, everyone has abilities. They're just not tapped into them. Um, I know for me myself... I can vouch for a lot of the Claire's, um, even when I didn't want them, <laughs> being a scared little kid. Uh, seeing things is not ideal, you know. Um, hearing things as well, not ideal. Um, let's see. I know I've told my friends before when we've been at festivals and stuff, like, somebody just called my name. They're like, what? I'm like, no, somebody just called my name. Hold on. And then I'll just like hear it again more clearly. And I'm like, oh, I'm not going that way. No, nah, not today. Not me. <laughs> but I think my favorite, like I said earlier, is definitely the clairsentience. Um, my intuition, my knowing, that's the one that I try and hone the most. Um, with all of these, I'm not going out every day and being like, I'm trying to see a dead person or I'm trying to hear something. <laughs> but it's something that just happens. That's how I believe in it, because it's not something I try for. It's not something that I went out seeking how to do this. It's something that ever since I was a child, you know, I've heard the conversations, you know, happening. I've seen, you know, figures of people moving across spaces and across rooms. I've seen actual people in full vision like full on I see the color of their shirt kind of see them and then they're gone and then my intuition that's my most valued valued gift because that's also something I don't try for it it's just there um and I love it you know um these are these are things that I've had to deal with my entire life um, and I know some people are skeptics and that's great. And like I said earlier, like belief is a powerful thing. And if these things happen to you, you would absolutely believe in them. But if you're one of those people that don't believe in this stuff, that's okay too. Um, and you're not missing out on anything. It's not like you're, you know, not special. <laughs> like I have people in my life that like, have never seen anything like this stuff or they would never believe it because they haven't experienced anything in their life to make them believe something like this. And that's perfectly okay. Um, but at the same time, just as I accept them and their skepticism, <laughs> you know, knowing full well that like, I know it's real, 
and I don't need to prove to them, um, distance yourself from people that make fun of it. Um, you don't need that negativity in your life. If somebody's saying you're lying, you know, that could be like a, especially if you're close with that person, that can be a really a wound. So before you go and tell people or, you know, put it somewhere public, make sure that you're okay with the backlash. Um, make sure that you're comfortable in it um, to be called a liar. Um, I know me. I know what I've seen and what I've heard. I know my family history. <laughs> it's kind of like, come at me. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't know. I still think in in some cases, people that are really close to me, if they doubted or if they said, like, hey, you're making that up, which everybody that's close to me wouldn't be saying that. <laughs> they'd be telling me, because most of them are Christian, they'd be telling me not to play with this stuff because <laughs> it's spiritual. But, um, I mean, if somebody you trust calls you a liar, you that would hurt. So just just be prepared for that if you do um tell anybody about if you have any of these gifts i definitely encourage if you do have any of these gifts and it's just here and there um take notice of it and give it your attention you know my mom always encourages people to never play with it and it's sound advice if you don't want anything to ramp up um but if you're not if you're curious, but if you want to know how to, like, use these things to, like, help other people, which is kind of my path, what I'm trying to use it for. Um, like, when a thought pops in your head when you're talking to someone, say it, you know? If it's a random thought, if it's, you know, having to do with whatever, just say it. You'll be surprised at some of the outcomes if you just follow your intuition. All right, let's take a break, and then we'll get into some stories. All right, welcome back. Um, I'm going to get started with some scary stories. <laughs> After taking you an hour into uh, generational gifts and curses and stuff. I'm going to get into some spooky stories that have been submitted by you guys, my listeners. I really appreciate them. All right. This one is called Champion Hide and Seek Ghost. So one day when my sister and I were younger, we were playing hide and seek with the neighbors in our parents' basement. My sister was it and all of us girls were hiding together because we were dumb kids and scared of the dark. <laughs> so my sister walks past us and into the laundry room. Then a black figure the size of a child runs past her from the corner of the laundry room to my mom's craft room. My sister chases the person into the craft room, flips on the light, and says, I found you. We all walk over to the craft room, and nobody's there. There are no windows or doors to escape from either. Side not the corner of the basement it ran from was this large hole in the ground. It was some kind of well or something that my parents covered up with a board and told us not to stand on. Makes me wonder if something horrible ever happened to a child in our house or if they happened to have fallen in that well and passed. 
I'll never forget that moment. And recently, I confirmed the story with my sister. She remembers it too. Ooh. That's a good story because her, her sisters, and their neighbors saw that one. Um, it was basically playing hide and seek with them. That's cool. Let's see. Let's get to another story. This one's called Guardian Angel. My pops died when I was 15 from a drug overdose. He's been following me around ever since. He's been caught playing with my kids on several occasions. The funniest being when my oldest son was a baby, he would toss his ball pit balls out the dog door into the garage, and my dad would throw them back inside for him. They would go back and forth for hours. The craziest story, though, was when I was driving home from a friend's house at 4 in the morning, and I was just about to go through the intersection with a green light and all, and something grabbed my shoulder from the back seat, startling the crap out of me and making me slam on my brakes. And I look behind me, just as I slammed on the brakes, um, and a motorcycle passed me in the lane next to mine. We were on a three-lane, one-way street driving side by side. And a drunk driver ran the red light and hit the motorcycle going 70 miles per hour, killing the driver instantly. If I hadn't stopped at that exact moment, I would have been hit by the on the driver's side door and probably been killed instantly myself. I made sure to turn back around and say thank you, Dad, right then and there. All right. This one, um, it's called Last Conversation. My granny passed away when I was entering the ninth grade. It was a tough time as everyone shifted and everything shifted in the family. We had two foster kids who moved in at that time. High school started and my parents were living in separate houses, one with us and one at my grandparents to take care of the handicapped grandpa, not separated in marriage or anything. It was hard. At, first, at our first Thanksgiving without her, I fell asleep on a chair at my grandpa's house. I had a dream that was so real. I could smell my granny's cookies, and she came out of the kitchen to talk to me. Everyone else was at a nearby table. We talked about my previous summer trip to Romania. She passed while I was away there. About school and life. Then she said, you know... Everything is going to be okay. You don't have to worry about anything. And then she got up and went back to the kitchen. I woke up. There were no cookies, no granny, but everything, everyone else I saw was exactly where they were in my dream, continuing their conversations that I heard while I was talking to my granny. I never sent, I have never seen her since that but feel that it was her way of letting me have my goodbye my last chat with her and everything was okay after that after some more time i feel i never feel as though she left me she's always watching and her words still stay with me through in tough times oh that was a good story i love last conversation kind of stories um i've heard lots of people that have been able to hear and talk to uh you know ones that have passed on um 
getting some closure and stuff like that. So I really like those. All right, this is one of my stories. The Crying Ghost. I was talking to my sister the other day, and she reminded me of something I saw and called her about one time. As I now remember it, I will tell you as I remember. I was home alone. I was in the bathroom getting ready for a shower. I wasn't feeling too great and wanted to call it a day. I suddenly see a woman crying, sitting by the washer, knees drawn up, hands in her hand, hands, or face in her hands, crying. I'm undressed, so I immediately think how rude it is for me to be undressed around her, so I grab a towel really quick, look back, and she's gone. Then I freaked out, like, like I just saw, I just saw that, what the crap. I got scared and felt just weird in the house by myself after that. Um, it was our haunted house that I always mention. Um, so I take the phone and go outside and call my sister to tell her what just happened and to wait for someone to get home so I wasn't by myself. can still picture the crying woman to this day down to the shirt she was wearing. Creepy, creepy. And that wasn't a flash in my head. That wasn't a shadow figure. That was a full-on person that I saw. Um, and then for some reason, I was very concerned about my modesty. <laughs> I guess I didn't want to make her cry more or something. And then when I looked back, she was gone. So it was still freaky. Still freaky. All right. Let's see. This one's called The Farm. The spirits I've seen are more like spirits of place, since I've only seen them at what was once my parents' farm. My parents bought this really old farm back in the mid-60s. The original house was a log cabin. My parents spent years remodeling this house, adding plumbing, running water, electric, a bathroom, central heat, replacing all the windows. Well, they decided to put a picture window in the living room, which meant using a two-man handsaw to cut through those logs. Everything was fine until they put that window in. Now, mind you, that was a beautiful Anderson energy-efficient window, but what none of us realized was that it not only gave us a great view of the river, but also a view into what I think is the past. You'd be sitting in the living room watching TV when out of the corner of your eye you'd see something or someone walk by in front of the window. Turn your head to look and there's nothing there. This went on for years. We all just kept it to ourselves, thinking it was just our minds playing tricks on us. But then one day it happened while my mom and I were sitting there and we both saw it in the same time. And she's like, you saw that too? And I'm like, yeah, I've been seeing this for years. The thing is, it's not on any schedule like it was um, or during any season or the flexing of the glass. It happened randomly, whenever. It was almost like there was an ancient pathway there and whatever was walking out there went in both directions. So it wasn't a loop or anything like that. On the same farm back behind the house, there was a really dark thicket and we all stayed the crap away from it. Because if you got too close, you would suddenly get the creeps and feel as if something there wanted you to go away. The longer you stood there, the more you would fill with fear. 
arm and neck hair would stand on end, and it was like instant dread. I ran from that spot many times, <laughs> at least, as did at least one of my sisters, I found out years later. My other sister told me years later that our mom had told us about being startled by a knock at the door at like 3 a.m. When she opened the door, she said it was the devil standing there. I'm thinking it was more likely it was a demon, but I don't know. I wasn't there at the time. Anyway, mom slammed the door shut and locked it and told whatever that was there she believed in Jesus and to go away. And that's it. <laughs> Ooh, freaky freaky. Sounds like, uh, I don't know. You know, you see things walking. Could be one of those... Uh, energy things that lasts like a recurrence but she said it wasn't on a loop so i don't know uh the thicket making your hair stand on end um just getting really creeped out sense of dread i would always trust that instinct um, sometimes our bodies react like that when they know of something that we don't perceive um so when it's acting like that you should trust it <laughs> get out of there uh, the thing at the door, I don't know. I wasn't there. Um, I don't know how she identified it as being evil because it doesn't describe it or anything. But I guess we'll have to take her word for it. Um, 3 a.m., I don't know that I would just open my door, especially out in the country. Um, but I don't know. So let's go to our next story. All right. Shadows. I saw a shadow person, or at least a darker-than-black mass, in the doorway to my kitchen a few years back. I was home alone with my dog and two cats in the living room. I kept hearing a hushed, garbled conversation that my pets became aware of as well. I paused the show and sat listening. I strained to understand as the sounds and words almost made sense, but not at all. It was a tip-of-the-tongue sensation. The conversation stopped in an instant as I looked in the kitchen doorway. My pets were my pets were mesmerized, or at least on some wavelength, due to them looking at this black mist materializing into a shapeless dark form. That has never happened before or since. Creepy. I had the bright kitchen light on, radiating into the backyard through the kitchen window, but you could not see light pass through the shade, only darkness. It turned part of my kitchen into deep blackness. My dog emitted a low growl, a warning growl, but it was just one. Everyone was still and was staring. I slowly got my heavy wooden bat from under the couch, never looking away for fear of being prey, but it remained in the doorway as if it were looking back, looking into me. I brandished my bat and firmly said, through a rising fear I was attempting to control. You are not welcome here. This is my home and you are not welcome here. Please leave. Leave us be. You are not welcome in this home. I knew that that wouldn't do a single thing, but it gave me courage. I stared that thing down and moved forward, slowly repeating my spiel and wielding the bat. It never moved but its misty form shifted like a natural shifting of being. My pets never got up and never looked away from that thing, not until I passed through it and it disappeared, although I did feel a bit drained. 
On a side note, one night a year or so after, I was cuddling with my husband in the darkness after a sexy time with a sexy time candle. Whoa. With a sexy time candle on, and the entire time I could see an entity in the upper left corner of the ceiling emerge and reach out for me. Merging in an ever-increasing round void in the wall where it emerged from. The candlelight casting shadows that move like snakes around the moving fan blades across the ceiling and down the left and right and back of the wall. I kept hugging him tightly and stuffing my face into his side to make it go away. I even asked if he saw what I was seeing and I told him what it looked like as I stared directly at it for as long as I could. He summed it up to a hallucination caused by stress. The longer I looked, the farther this image reached and came towards me. It tried to crawl out of the circular void, but it was as if it was stuck. It couldn't reach me as hard as it tried, but man, if it wasn't scary. It was like the shadows were snakes, and they were slithering everywhere trying to get to me. To the bed, I had my husband turn on the lights, and the thing disappeared. Since those sightings, I haven't seen anything. I sage my house every now and then. I do on occasion hear song or voices or my name being called when I'm alone, but it is never a creepy feeling. Just makes me think for a moment or so that I'm not alone. I find feathers randomly, and I know that's a sign that someone's looking out for me. That's my story. Ooh. <laughs> I got some chills during that one. My arm hair is standing on end. <laughs> I do not like that one. At least the feeling it gave me. Normally I don't get scared or anything. And I wasn't scared, but... Yeah, all the hairs were standing up on my arms during that story, so I did not like that reaction. Um, let's see. This one's a really short one. It's a hat man sleep paralysis. When I was in, abuse, in an abusive relationship, I'd get sleep paralysis sometimes, and I'd always see a shadow man with a wide-brimmed hat standing over me. Terrible energy. Just watching and not letting me breathe. Haven't seen that since I got out eight years ago, but it stuck with me. Freaky, freaky. All right, this is another. This is another Hatman story. Growing up, we lived in a house where a lot of unexplained stuff happened. I always remembered seeing a guy with a hat. Think a 1920s era suit and hat kind of look. I have a few memories of him, but one specifically was a time when I was really young, like four or five. I saw him walk into and vanish through a wall in the second story of the house. I always remember that, but of course, as I got older, I assumed I made it up or dreamt it. But a few years ago, my mom was reflecting on life, talking about the old haunted house we lived in. And she mentioned how I came to her talking about the man with the hat that walked through the wall. I was shook. I still remember it. I'm a writer, so I was just going to use this memory for a story one day that I thought was made up inspiration for stories just to pop in my head. Uh, but now that I know it wasn't a memory I fabricated, it really freaks me out. Ooh, these are so good. 
All right, let's see. I think I have two more. Yeah, two more. All right, this one is called The Shadow. True story. So I lived with my ex's mom for a short time in this really old house. One day, I, w I was there alone, and I was walking through the house, and my cat ran up from the basement, freaking out, and wouldn't let me touch him, and went and hid. So I turned around and was walking to my room when I hear this creepy-ass woman laughter, straight out of a horror movie. And I try to ignore it and walk a little faster. So I'm walking from tile to carpet, but as I get on the carpet, I'm still hearing footsteps on the tile. So I'm like, F this. I'm getting in the shower and I'm leaving. I go in the room to get my clothes and come out to blast the music because I'm hearing too much creepy stuff. I go to turn on the radio, which is digital, and as I'm turning the stations, they start flipping out of order and start. I start feeling this sharp pain in my back and the radio reads, help. Ha! <laughs> uh, at that moment, I saw a shadow mass swirling on the ceiling, and I let out a blood-curdling scream and ran out the front door. I never slept in that house again. I had to go back in to get my phone and call my friends to come over while I took a shower, and then we all left. I found somewhere else to live. Haunts me to this day. Creepy! All right. This one is called The Cemetery. This encounter is a long story, but it's beyond truth. One of my nicer ones, one of the nicer shadow people helped me out of a very muffled situation I encountered in a cemetery. I was trying to ditch my abusive boyfriend at the time, so I ran into the cemetery at night. I knew he was too afraid of going in there to follow me. I went in to the very back and had a seat under a tree. I sat there for a moment to catch my breath and just relax. There's nothing more peaceful than being around a bunch of dead folk. I'm there probably 20 minutes when I hear something behind. I figured it was just my boyfriend at the time, so I stayed very still. But as the noise got closer, it sounded more and more like horse hooves and wagon wheels. Eventually, things got weirder and I felt the need to leave. Not that anything bad was happening, there was just too much happening at once, and I felt myself slipping. To where, I don't know, and I didn't want to find out. As I'm trying to make my way back to an exit, I realized I was lost. Mind you, this was my favorite cemetery. I knew that place like the back of my hand, but with everything happening, and the noises, and the sights, and the emotions, man, words can't express how I felt. I was beginning to feel trapped and weighed down, and I heard an older male voice say, You'll never leave, just like we will never leave. You can't leave. Just like, I mean, obviously, <laughs> I said to hell with that, and I could feel him behind me, trying to slow me down. He was angry. That's when I started to panic. I was going to freak out on this guy, but then something changed. The weight was beginning to lift, and I felt an arm drape across my shoulders. As I went to whip my body around to yell, I hear a younger man's voice calmly speak into my ear and say, Don't. You'll upset the others. Just keep walking. Look straight ahead. I'll guide you. And he did. I relaxed myself, and he kept his arm around me and guided me out of the cemetery. 
He stayed with me until I crossed the street. He kissed my forehead before I couldn't feel him anymore. He was completely gone. I never got a chance to thank him. Ooh, that one's creepy. I don't know about y'all, but I would not be visiting. <laughs> I already talked about all the kinds of things that, you know, I've been gifted with in my life. And I would not be visiting <laughs> a cemetery at night. That's just asking for something to happen. All right. Thank you for your stories. Um, keep them coming. I love them. I absolutely love them. Um, thank you for letting me use them. Um, feel free to message me if you want to submit a story. Uh, for the podcast, but you want to remain anonymous um, and not put yourself on blast, um, feel free to message me at my Facebook, Andrew Chapman. Or you can visit the Facebook page, and if you are loud and proud about what you have experienced, feel free to post in the Facebook group, Paranormal Stories, Spooky Shiz is in parentheses. Uh, feel free to post in there. Say, hey, guys, this happened to me. Um, whatever you prefer. All right. So I know this has been a long episode. I really appreciate you guys listening and hearing me out about psychic abilities, generational curses, and a bunch of shadow men stories. Gotta love those. <laughs> All right, guys. You guys have a great night, and I'll probably do one more this week in honor of Thanksgiving. Um, so stay thankful and stay spooky, my friends. See you guys next time. <laughs>